Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, it's Erin. I wanted to just briefly apologize for some of the audio in this episode. Some of it's uh, kind of muffled and kind of sounds kind of bad, some of it. Um, And we are working on getting better recording equipment and better editing equipment so that uh, we can have better audio in the future. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, And then I also wanted to say in this episode, very briefly for about two seconds, we mentioned um, sexual abuse. So in case that's triggering, triggering for anybody, I just wanted to throw that out there. So I hope you enjoy this week's show, and thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week, we're going to be talking about the television show, You, and we're going to be talking a lot about the stalking for love trope that it calls out so brilliantly. Um, And I'm joined by three amazing women for this panel, and one of them is, this is her first time on this podcast, uh, and that's Meg. So before we get into all things you, I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture that they're excited about right now. Go ahead and start with you, Carla. Hi, I'm Carla Demis, and this week I continue to be excited from a long way back from uh, excited about Birds of Prey, because if I haven't said it before, let me remind you, <laughs> it is an excellent movie. It has so much going on in it that it's just fabulous, whether or not you're a comics fan or a DC fan. I am neither, and I was super into it. Plus, Christmasina is in it, and you kind of have to watch it because Christmasina is the best Chris. He is Hollywood's hidden secret Chris, and you will love him if you don't already. That's, that's very true. And I sadly still have not seen that movie. Uh, I haven't seen it either. <gasps> I know. It's so horrible. Me either. Know, it's so horrible. We have to see that movie. I know. And I and especially that's such a different role for Christmas Cena. So I've been very curious yes. to see how he is in that. So I, I was sure how how that would work. I was like, really? I mean like he's fabulous, but like really? Mm-hmm. But no, you walk away if you've never watched him before, you just will not understand what he's like as Danny Castellano from Indie Project. <laughs> I mean, that will blow your mind. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got to see it. Um, and Meg? Yeah, I'm Meg Griffin. And right now I'm really into um, a lot of fan fiction, <laughs> actually, because I'm super cool. Um, and... <laughs> A lot of uh, Dean and Cass fan fiction, to be specific. And then I'm also really excited Outlander is back. And I'm really excited about that. And generally, just Netflix. (laughs) Right? It's a good thing we're talking about Netflix. Like all the, yeah, all the, all the things. (laughs) And Sarah. Hi, I am uh, Sarah Bornick. Uh, Yes, Netflix has all the things. I have a laundry list of 
stuff that's on my to watch list. And Carla will be happy to know that we are going to start watching Shit's Creek. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention because, like, I make people so happy when people tell me that. Oh, no, did I make you cry? This is Erin. Um, and what I'm into right now is I am heading off to Atlanta. Um, this airs on Tuesday, so I'm heading off to Atlanta tomorrow for the Women in Horror Horror Film Festival. So that should be a lot of fun. I'm hoping to get some interviews there as well. Also, as a self-promotion here, um, my short script, Baby Blue, is one of the finalists um, in the film festival. So that's uh, really exciting. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Way to go. <laughs> Yay. So that'll be exciting. So hopefully I will be having interviews to share on this podcast so that's just a little heads up there as well okay well hello you <laughs> that didn't go quite shivers just went down my spine i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> so yes we are going to be talking about the show you um <laughs> as that you might know that's how uh joe starts all of his wonderful stalking love affairs um so i'm gonna first before we talk about the actual show has anybody here actually read the book the books that they're based on not yet i have not however i have done some comprehensive research mm -hmm. in uh 10 minutes while i was waiting in line <laughs> on, on google about them <laughs> that's what you wait in line at google <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's comprehensive research right there. Absolutely. <laughs> as as anyone read them? I guess not. No, I have no. They're on my to read list. Yeah, I haven't either because I guess they do kind of stray a little bit. Um, I know that the in the first season, the kid that is at is added is an added character. That was not something in the books. Uh, Joe's relationships with children, which we'll talk about, and the way he handles that wasn't wasn't a thing in the books, I guess. So um, that's interesting that they added in there. I have uh, some f some thoughts about why they did that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, um, did ever did anybody watch it when it was on Lifetime? Because it originally started on Lifetime, as people may or may not know. The first season was on Lifetime, and then Lifetime didn't pick it up. And then Netflix got it and renewed it for a second season. And there's also going to be – I believe there's going to be a third season as well. So. Yeah, I think they've confirmed it. Yeah, they yes, there is. Yep. Thank God. Because yep. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what happened. No, I, I didn't watch it on, on – Yeah. I didn't watch it on Lifetime. I've only started watching it on Netflix. Because if it's not on Netflix or Hulu, it doesn't exist. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> How about you, Meg? Did you watch it on Lifetime or just start? I did. I I did not. I saw like commercials for it, and I was like, "Oh, that looks horrible." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I should check it out. Um, but I never actually got around to it because, like Carla said, it wasn't on Netflix, so, so it doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't have cable right. anymore. So mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Sarah, did you watch it on? Lifetime no, I actually found out that it was on Lifetime uh, after I watched it on Netflix. Um, I discovered it. A friend of mine had recommended it and watched it. And I think we, I think my husband and I binged it in like two days or something. Okay, yeah. And absolutely loved it. It's not surprising though, because it is the most Lifetime Kind right? of show. It is. It is in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's also in a lot of ways. It calls out a lot of things that 
that lifetime tends that to lifetime does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm in the same boat. I didn't watch it on lifetime. I watched it on Netflix when it came on Netflix. Um, and I remember seeing trailers for it and I was kind of like, okay, this looks really trashy. That's all I kept thinking. And I don't think it's trashy, but that's the way it looked to me. Um, and I had never watched uh, Gossip Girl or anything, so I wasn't really too familiar with Penn Badgley, so he was kind of new to me. Um, but Sarah Gamble, who um, helped create the show with uh, Greg Berlanti, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, um, she actually was a showrunner for a little bit for a couple of seasons on Supernatural. So that also intrigued me. Um, I don't know if everybody else was intrigued by that, but that was kind of the, something that just. No, kind of- I actually, I actually <laughs> was too, and uh, she's also, I think, a uh, showrunner for uh, the Magicians. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I I love those shows, so. Hmm. <laughs> well, and and Greg Berlanti does a lot of uh, CW oh, shows, yeah. so I'm not sure if he did. I'm not sure if he did Supernatural or not, but he's done literally every other yeah. show on the CW, as well as he actually uh, was behind. He was the director of Love Simon. Oh yeah, that's, oh, that's right. A, I forgot about that. A more wholesome stalking <laughs> show. No, <I'm> just <laughs> That's, I love that yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I do too. <laughs> but that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And um, this is kind of like a CW show too. In a lot of ways, I know we're saying it's like Lifetime, but it's also kind of like some more like WB. <laughs> actually, it's more like WB oh. shows um, back before. Uh-huh. Um, I, I yeah, I gotta say, I can totally picture the frog dancing yes. across the bottom yes. of the screen. <laughs> yes, I think that would that would work. Um, and if you don't know, and we didn't really inter- introduce what the show is about, but if you don't know what the show is about, and you're listening to this, um, the show is basically it follows the character Joe Goldberg, and he's the narrator as well. Um, and he starts, you know, his the show's was doing the hello you um which is really kind of creepy uh although i guess some people actually uh get uh turned on by it and like his character which we'll get into heavily in this one um but he kind of just he's a stalker he falls in love he's in love with love is kind of the way i kind of view it he's a serial killer um and it's all about whichever woman he is stalking from you know season to season first season it was uh Guinevere beck was the full name of the character and then this season um the character's name is literally love <laughs> yes so yeah yes. yeah and we'll get into a lot of the differences between the two characters the two seasons and of course what happens in season two with the character of love um because it's very very interesting um but what i really want to get into is it, Joe is Joe basically does what we do in a lot of what we see in a lot of romantic movies. He stalks his prey, really. He stalks the woman he loves. He um, in the first season, he spies on her having sex, which why don't leave your curtains wide open for people to watch you having sex, by the way. I was gonna say, is it really is it really spying when she's literally like backlit and a huge bay window? Yeah, and just letting everybody the curtains open while she has sex or while she masturbates. I mean, she's just she's just it's all there, wide open for everybody to see. Can you be a voyeur to an exhibitionist? That's the big question. Yeah, yeah. So he, but but what's interesting is he does a lot of the things that you will see in that trope that's in romantic movies 
which is the guy who's the, you know, he's a very smart guy. He's really into books. He's really into reading. And he thinks you're so fascinating and intriguing and you're so special. And, but it flips it and shows that really that's creepy. That's not romantic. Yeah. That's not sexy. That's not love at all. That's being a stalker. Unless Tom Hanks Unless does Tom, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, really, I mean, like there's a whole YouTube video that I should have looked up who did it before we d- started this. Um, where the guy talks completely about the stalking for love trope and all the things that are in that trope are things that Joe does in this show. Mm-hmm. But what's so great about this mm-hmm. show and I'm assuming the books is the fact that it basically, it's not saying it's romantic or sweet or cute or adorable or lovely. It's sick and disgusting <laughs> because yeah. he also kills people. You know, he kills anybody that he feels is getting in the way of his relationship. Um, like uh, Beck's, boyfriend in the first season well he doesn't kill him right away he kidnaps him because we should just say sorry going off here a little bit but that he has a cell basically in the basement of the bookstore he works at in um, new york city in the first season and then in the second season he has that same cell but in a storage unit in los angeles mm-hmm. um so you know he's you find out in the very very first episode that he's keeping someone hostage in this little tiny cell um you know so it's and he keeps saying he doesn't want to kill anyone doesn't want to hurt them he's just doing this all for love which is something um we see too often in actual romantic movies not in thrillers um so i just want to talk a little bit about that do you guys in romantic movies just kind of segueing here for the stalking for love trope are there a lot of movies that you do like that kind of utilize that trope for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, we just talked yeah. about um, you've got mail and it definitely does that. Um, I, I also think, you know, there's romantic comedies that do it. Um, you could argue that um, while you were sleeping kind of does yeah. that. Because yeah. Do not do not come after while you were <laughs> sleeping. That's the best movie. Do not come after it. No, it, it absolutely <laughs> is. But it, it, you can make that argument that Lucy kind of stalks mm-hmm. Peter by showing up, you know, she, she drops him off and she should be like, okay, bye. But instead she stays and then her family invites her, which is, you know, sweet, but she didn't have to go to her, to his family's house. And, you know, so there, there are a few things where you're just like, Lucy, what are you doing? That looks kind of illegal and weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but th- there are, I, there are also movies that aren't uh, romantic comedies that where that happens. For example, there's, um, uh, what is it called? American Beauty. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, very much Which stalking. is probably like, yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. eh, I don't know what you're doing, bud, but that's just really yeah. creepy. Um, and in TV, you know, the <laughs> the part that I was hoping to really get to that I have in my heart that I just want to get out is Angel stalking Buffy yeah. when Ugh. she's a 15-year-old yeah. and he's following her around in high school. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's what you want to mm-hmm. do. Um uh, crazy ex-girlfriend for sure is yeah. stalking for love and um th- th- as much as I, as I enjoy the premise of the show uh with the music and everything that always keeps me out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well, uh, oh, oh, sorry for sure one more family matters Wholesome family show, except for the whole thing where Steve just stalks the hell out of yeah, Laura. Yeah, that's very true. Please go on. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I can totally see your point as far as like while you were sleeping. I and absolutely with you've got mail, and even before that with Sleepless in Seattle, this is like oh, yeah. the 90, oh, like yeah. the nineties version. 
of stalking for love. Like she listens to the radio. She goes, she gets pretty deceptive about finding out who this guy is. But as far as I thought, I understand where you're coming from with the, while you were sleeping thing a bit, but she didn't say that she was a fiance. The nurse decided that that was it because she overheard her say she was going to marry him. And I thought it was so much more of a portrayal of just complete and utter loneliness. Mm-hmm. And it was such a good portrayal of loneliness, not just like for a romantic relationship, but for any kind of relationship. And so I, I like, you can't come after me <laughs> while you're asleep. You can't, Carla. <laughs> But that, that was more how I read it than like a stalking for love trope for that one. But the other ones, I 100% agree. Yeah. Sarah, do you have any you want to add in that um, you love? I am not a uh, rom-com fan. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have very little input here, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, yeah, the and, and maybe that's why. Um, because they are kind of creepy in a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Twilight is one. Oh, that, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Not that I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, we were talking about ones we love. <laughs> not that I love it, but I'm just thinking of movies that I have seen where, mm-hmm. you know, that's that has been a theme. You know, the whole, oh, he watches me while I sleep. Okay, that's just creepy as hell. Yep. You know, sneaking in, mm-hmm. sneaking into the room, and 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 all of that stuff. That just like, why? Why do you think that's sweet and endearing? That's sick and disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't. You know, I mean, those. I am more of a sci-fi action movie person, yeah. um, as opposed to uh, romantic comedies. So I really have no input here. I am so sorry. <laughs> No, it's well, fine. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Well, and and taking the Twilight thing a step further, Fifty yeah, Shades of Grey is like, mm-hmm. yes, I would have a restraining order on that man. Picking up on that Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey thing, um, I think both those characters, um, Edward and Mr. Grey, I don't remember his first name right now, but Christian. Oh, Christian, that's right. Thank you. Um, I think but. those characters are exactly like Joe. They are the carbon copy of Joe. Joe is exactly like those characters from even the way he kind of looks, the way he talks, the mm-hmm. way he treats those characters, except mm-hmm. for in you, they actually show what it really is, which is sick and disgusting. Yeah. But, you know, but yeah, so I just wanted to say that because I think those are actually the perfect counter parts to, to who yeah. Joe is. Um, but going off with the romantic comedies, and anything that's romantic is a big one from the eighties is um, Saint Elmo's Fire, and Emilio Estevez oh, yes. stalking, yes. Yeah, stalking Andy uh, McDowell's character, <laughs> which was played in the movie like this cute, sweet little thing. I mean, he drives up this mountain in this weather that he can't drive, and stealing someone's car, driving up there to ruin her romantic evening, and she gives him a kiss on the cheek. I know, rewarded for it. I mean, it's just kind of sick and disgusting and it was played so cute and lovely and i love that movie um but yeah that was that's it's just kind of disturbing and and well and even movies that i do love like uh 10 things i hate about you that's even being accused a little bit of doing a little bit of stalkery behavior where she keeps telling him no and he keeps going after her and even does the big gesture and i love that movie and i loved that gesture but there is you know it is kind of problematic (laughs) 
there that you know he won't have let her have her. You guys are coming after all my fans. I love that movie. No, that's one I actually do. I that that is one of my guilty pleasure movies. My first time here, and you guys are calling me out so much. (laughs) Hey, I saw that movie in the theater. Like I think like six times. So I love the movie. I I feel so attacked. What you don't realize is that. We um, concocted this as a podcast, but it's really an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Meg. Welcome to your intervention. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you caught on. We're trying to save you here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that's that. Like, I, came, I came across my love interest, honestly, you guys. Come on. There's only a little stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and another one, and I don't know if this will be, this is another favorite movie of mine though, but um, is also say anything. There is a little bit of stalking there. I mean, when yeah. they break up yeah. and like is pointed yeah. out in the YouTube video that I'm going to link to in the show notes, because I can't remember the name of the guy who does it, but, um, or you can just Google uh, or you can just search on YouTube stalking for love trope. But he mentions in there, you know, in say anything, John Cusack's character doesn't know the reason she broke up with him. So in his, so really all the facts he have is that he has, is that she doesn't want to see him anymore, but yet he still shows up outside her window, still calls constantly. And I mean, that's really stalking behavior. And I love that movie. And when I was young, seeing that was just so swoon worthy, but it's really kind of messed up when you really, really think about it, which, you know, and, and sort of, I know a couple of ones were mentioned where the, woman is the one that's doing it. And what's interesting about those is, um, and they talked about this in, in that YouTube thing, which is why I'm going to have to link it in the show notes is a lot of times those women aren't portrayed in the same way the men are like, they're always portrayed as a little bit being a little unhinged or a little kooky or off a little bit, like in crazy ex-girlfriend, the word crazy is in there. Um, Mm -hmm. they don't really use that with men so much when the men are doing it. Um, yeah, attraction. yeah, exactly. Fatal yeah. attraction. Um, and the the character in Wayne's World who was always stalking Wayne. Oh Wayne. yes. And they, they portray- yeah. yeah, Laura Flynn Boyle's character, yeah. and they always portrayed her as very kooky and crazy, and they didn't portray her as being cute and sweet, you know. So it's yeah. it's very interesting how uh men are portrayed in this trope versus women. I yeah. mean, right. even in Sleepless in Seattle, she's still kind of you know, she's kind I mean, it's Meg Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and poor Bill Pullman is just trying to live his life and he gets dumped for. <laughs> for an- yeah, that's true. Poor, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> he goes on to be president. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> but, but, that's that, no but that thing of letting men sort of get away with this in movies, um, and sort of letting, I mean, like even in Groundhog Day, um, that really is kind of stalking. I mean, he just thinks different ways to get Andy McTell to fall in love with him. Um, you know, that's what he uses every day to do kind of thing. Um, well, not even get away with it, but be rewarded exactly. for Like you talked yeah. about him driving up a mountain. Anytime we see a guy who's like in the stalker trope or whatever, he decides to go after the girl or follow her or whatever. It's persistent. Is it like, yeah, it's persistent and it's super romantic. And he doesn't, it's not even like, so in St. Elmo's Far, he gets a kiss on the cheek or something like that. But in like 50 Shades of Grey, she is literally like, leave me yep. alone. 
I'm going to the other side of the country because I need some space mm-hmm. from you to figure out what I want. And he flies across the country and she's like, oh my God, this means you must really, really love me. And it's like, no girl, it means you really need to call the police. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. He buys the company mm-hmm. she works for. He lowjacks her car and, and all these, it, it, that's the most like fr- frustrating, I guess is the best word or enraging for me because there is always, I think everyone does a little bit of stalking mm-hmm. when it comes to relationships, just a little bit, especially now with the internet. Everyone wants to Google if they're having a first date or something yeah. and check out Facebook a little bit. But 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 as far as rom-coms and movies and especially you and things like that, it just takes it so much further. So there, I think that little bit is totally normal and acceptable, but mm-hmm. it's when you go to the extent that we see. Yeah. 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 And what, and so now I want to, you know, circle it around back to uh, you because what's interesting about you is, um, you know, this guy is a bad guy. We know this. Uh, We see him kill people. We see him kidnap people. We see him stalk her. We see him stalking her social media. We see him hacking into her phone. We see him stealing her phone. We see, we see him doing all this stuff. Um, And this is just in the first season. He does a lot of this in the second season as well. This is like the second yeah, episode. Yeah. And we see all yeah. this stuff. And yet there are so many women that love this character. and Which is so disturbing. Sexy yeah, and attractive. And Penn Badgley talks about it all the time. And he, you know, he's said that when they were shooting the first season and they would shoot these scenes where he might do something that might seem quote unquote romantic, he kept reminding everyone. He was like, remember. I kill her in the end. I kill her in the end. Remember, I kill this character. Remember, I'm not a good guy. And he mm-hmm. tries to tell yeah. that to other people. Um, he he like would do interviews talking mm-hmm. about it. He's posted on Twitter about it. He's like, this is not a romantic character. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, is I don't know if any of you guys watched Gossip Girl. No, no but I, I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he is like, so he put Penn plays a character, Dan, in Gossip Girl. And he has the same kind of creepy, stalkery kind of thing, but it's a lot more lighthearted in a way. It's a lot more like high school is like he's got this crush on this girl and everything. He doesn't obviously murder anybody or anything like that, but he is very much rewarded for it in the end. Okay. And so watching you, I was like, wow, so Joe is like Dan 2.0 because I I could 100% see the character of Mm -hmm. Dan, evolving into the character of Joe. And I think what a lot of it is, is in Gossip Girl, he was really the protagonist in Gossip Girl. He was like the person that you viewed everyone from. And he was the person whose point of view that you saw the most and whose motivations you knew the most of. And so I think a lot of the people who were fans of Gossip Girl are about my age now. So in their mid thirties or something and kind of watching this thing and projecting a little bit of that. But then I look at things like Fifty Shades of Grey and these women throwing themselves all over this garbage man. And that whole theory gets thrown out the window. Yeah, I I think it's very much playing off of that whole trope of like we have been programmed so much to think that this is romantic, that what he does is romantic, that the fact that he's willing to kill for her is romantic. The fact that he, you know, basically is like puts her on this weird pedestal 
is romantic or that he, th- yeah. you know, it's, and it's not. And that's what's so, that's what's so fascinating about this show. And that's why I love this show so much. Uh, and we can get into their, I know that people have some issues with the second season, but, um, but I, I just think that's what's so fascinating about it. And I think another big part of that is he is a white male who mm. is, I don't think he's very attractive, but he's very attractive to people. He's this, um, you know, seemingly put together guy who's smart and intelligent. And I know even Penn Badgley has said that before, that if my character wasn't white, I don't know if this would hit, people would have the same reaction to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have heard him say that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, and I really love Penn Badgley because of his reaction to all of this. I think it's great that he sees how scummy and awful his character is. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's, that's a great thing that, that he says, does anyone else want to comment on that at the whole, like, because he's a white male, him getting away with a lot more. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think maybe the people in this particular podcast can probably agree with me in saying that that's just general society. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that mm-hmm. white men get away with so much simply by virtue of being white men. There's nothing else interesting or important about them. They're just white men. And so they can walk in and get a loan, um, no matter what objectively their um, their financial situation may be. They're more likely mm-hmm. to be hired for a job over a much more qualified woman or woman of color, or just person of color. It, in just so many ways, being a white man is a very rewarding situation mm-hmm. in and of itself, independent mm-hmm. of everything else that you can be. Mm-hmm. You walk in with your yeah. white man appearance and your skin, and boom, you're set. Yeah. As, as a, yeah. Well, and even as, and uh, even tying into this. Sh- well, go uh, ahead. And then, as it um, as it pertains to this show and to this trope, I think a lot of people feel kind of safe when there's a white man involved. So yeah. whether you know if it's somebody on on mm-hmm. a TV show, they can look at, at the person and just say oh well it's a white guy so he's probably the protagonist and he and it's probably um okay that he's doing it for reasons that we'll explain later on in the show it's like and then you get halfway through the show it's like well you know what? i it hasn't been explained in a good way but let, let's hear him out let's mm-hmm. just wait until the end of the show and then somehow it'll be explained away yeah. which again ties back to life um and yeah, oh, i was gonna make a brilliant point and it just completely yeah. escaped me but we're um, more apt to uh, give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure, yeah. As a society in, in well, yeah. Well, and it's so interesting you say that, Carla, because we talked about all these rom coms, and every single one of the male leads, the romantic leads, are yep. white. Yeah, we haven't seen any. We I can't think of a single like stalking for love trope rom com in which the romantic lead, the male lead, is a, is a person of color. Like at all, um, but I think with, but in playing into that, like with with Joe, he's white. He's able to hand literally hand a police officer the I headphones know. to someone yeah, he just murdered. <laughs> Very expensive in the middle of the night headphones. Yep, that he can just hand over. Yeah. Where if it had been a black man handing over incredibly expensive headphones, the police officer would have been like, "Where did you get these? Why exactly. are you out so late?" If it had been no. If it had been a black man, he probably would have been on the ground yeah. from reaching yeah. into the bag. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> like, he would never have gotten that far. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's all I... Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add? Anything more you wanted to add to that, Sarah, or anybody else? No, nope, I think okay. good. Okay. I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just wish I had the sense of entitlement that white men. Have. Right. <laughs> I would love it. I mean, I have plenty. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, the fact that he so blatantly has a holding cell in the basement of a bookstore right. in the first season, you would, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. The fact that he's able to get away with that so well. And, you know, and, and the fact that women, and I, I, I don't want to shame women really for like falling for this character. In a lot of ways, there was a great, I'm trying to find the Twitter thread, but there was a great tw Twitter thread about this and about what you does so well about oh, really calling about, yeah. calling about the way that women, how we're kind of brought up to kind of view men um, and men in particular that are like this guy, like Joe. Um, and so I don't really want to mm -hmm. shame women too much for falling for him because I think we have been programmed so much to think that this kind of character is romantic and sweet right. and the kind of character you want because he's, he's all about you. And he's, he's, um, you know, I don't, I don't mean that <laughs> because of the title, but he's all about you. <laughs> you know, he really is. He's just, you know, whoever his, um, uh, dish of the moment, really. That's how I'm going to put it because it's, he doesn't view these women as um, people. He kind of views them as objects in my opinion. Um, but whoever the flavor of the month is, he's all about that person. Plus mm -hmm. he's really smart. He's incredibly intelligent. Oh yeah. Um, he's good with words. So we've kind of been programmed that this is the man you want. Um, and then he's also willing to protect you. So I don't want to yeah. shame too much that people do fall for that. But I think it's something that we have to really examine in ourselves. Um, I haven't really fallen for him a lot in this. But um, so I don't know if as, as anyone on this podcast at all liked him. Or, no. Okay, 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 okay. I didn't think so. Not even I didn't think so. But wanted, I didn't think so, especially since no one on this podcast likes Twilight or Fifty Shades of Grey. Then I kind of figured. But I know many people that do. Yeah. Yeah. You do. See, I haven't talked to anybody that does. So that's interesting. I, I just want to add that I just remembered what that brilliant point was. And it's actually kind of upsetting because it wasn't my brilliant point. It was Reductress's brilliant point. They had yes. um, this headline that said, um, is he cute or is, just, or, is he, or is he just tall and white? Ah, uh, yeah, that's... Which was like... You and, yes. I, you and I play that game all the time when we're watching Smash Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, that's yeah, it's good. brilliant, but it wasn't mine. It was from Reductress. That's really good. That's really... Yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah, that's that's a brilliant way to, um, and I think that's uh, what I think Penn Badgley would agree with that, and the people that work on the show would agree with that. Yeah, because I think that's a big theme in this. Um, yeah, is it's really calling that out, and and the thing that the show does leading into his uh, love interest, we can talk about his love interest because the ones that we've shown. I mean, and there's also Candace who comes back, who we think mm. is dead in the first season. We think he killed her, uh, but she comes back at the end of the first season and then plays a pivotal role in um, season two, especially towards the end. Yes, um, yeah. So she's a very important character as well. But we can talk a little bit about his love interest because what happened a lot with season one um, is with Beck. A lot of people didn't like the character of Beck and she is not a perfect character. She's got, she's very flawed. 
She does a lot of things that are kind of, you know, questionable. She's very selfish. She's very self-absorbed. And so I think a lot of, I think it was really interesting to have a character like that be a love interest instead of having a character that is perfect and beautiful and wonderful, because then you find people actually being like, well, I understand why Joe would like kill her. Or I understand why people hate her or not, or being more on Joe's side because she's this flawed character. So it really calls out the way we view women when women aren't Mm -hmm. quote unquote perfect. So I don't know. I was going to say, it's such an interesting double standard that like, yeah, she's a bit selfish Mm -hmm. and she, she cheated and made some mistakes. She's not the greatest character. I, I personally wouldn't be like, yeah, we're BFFs. (laughs) But the fact that people are willing to like, look at her and her kind of superficial flaws when you think, when you, really kind of dig deep. She has a little bit deeper ones. Look at her and then next to her, look at Joe who literally murders everyone around her that he thinks she might prioritize over him and think he's the good guy in this situation is so messed up. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to wrap my head around that mentality. As far as the love interests, I think, you know, there's an interesting um, dichotomy in the love interest versus the side booty, which oh, yes. is, you know, it, yes. it ends up being like mm-hmm. somebody that, that there has rebound in between the ones who are the main mm-hmm. love interest in, in season one, season two, season one, you had Karen Minty um, played by Natalie Paul, who was fantastic. She was yes. completely somebody that I would want to be friends with. She's loyal. She's smart. She's incredibly kind. And she gets to selfless live. as hell. And I, mm-hmm. you know, that's somebody that objectively, you want to root for like I would totally want to see her in a um, romantic comedy and yes like Meg said she gets to live which was yep. fantastic yep. seeing a black woman get to live in a show about a murderer mm-hmm. um, I was I was I was mm-hmm. rooting for her and she made it yes girl um, and then <laughs> yeah, in season two cool. you have um, Carmela Zumbado's um, Delilah yeah who was one of my favorite characters in the entire show um, who has a lot of the same traits as Karen Minty, yep. um, and down to being a person of color, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, somebody that I would absolutely want to hang out with versus the love interest. And then in the love interest, you see this progression that's very interesting to me from, um, uh, oh God, what's Candace, who is, you know, wild and carefree and reckless, not only with her own life, but with Joe's heart. Mm-hmm. who uh, is very entitled and, entitled and selfish and manipulative and a liar. And then you go to Beck, who on the outside seems very much the opposite. She, she seems to, you know, she knows what she wants out of her career. She seems to know um, who she is. And she has these friends who are interesting people. You may not, you may or may not like them, but you can agree that they're interesting. Right. Um, and from a social media stalking point of view, she does look kind of perfect in comparison to Candace. And then you move on to Love Quinn, who, you know, he actually takes the time to kind of get to know her a little better before he decides that he wants to camp out in her life. Um, and she is the most put together of the three, the most uh, selfless of the three, um, the one who is really devoted to the people that she loves, uh, who very much knows who she is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's that interesting progression because in real life, as a person, you want to kind of 
do that. You know, as a teenager, maybe you you crush on the bad boys and the irresponsible ones or whatever. Then you get a little bit older and you start maybe dating people who are better for you, but they're not quite great. And then hopefully in the long run, you end up with somebody who is um, everything that um, a person that you spend a long part of your life should be like, but minus the murder. Right. <laughs> and like, so Carla is very clearly team love. <laughs> <laughs> she's, you guys, she's so put together. She's got a good family life. She's a brother in trouble. Yeah, that, yeah. And she murdered his girlfriend because she didn't like yeah. her. No, I don't it's like one, her because, but you know what? Honestly, like she's vegan. <laughs> The thing that made me like completely really... unstand her is like you can't kill off my favorite character in this in the entire yeah, show. Was, uh... And <laughs> no, that it broke my heart because you know, you, you have a woman who's a Latina, she's a go-getter, mm-hmm. she's taking care of her little sister, yes. and she's making, you know, she she seems to have I mean, obviously she she has stuff to deal with in her life, but she she's still going out there with um with the hunger for for justice and for mm-hmm. um for good things and also seems to know all the great all, all the great um late night spots for food um mm-hmm. which is something that i oh. that i absolutely must have in a friend um <laughs> hint, hint, Meg. And, <laughs> but but then she, she ends up dying off and it almost feels like okay cool so um i'm glad that you enjoyed seeing a black woman survive we're gonna cut out the people of color exception in season two so hang tight yeah that was well well, go ahead i just well the thing i also one of the things i just i want to take out of that real quick about what i loved about delilah and is one of the things that we don't really see enough of as far as women portrayed um especially if you're looking at black women and latina women is she was really strong she was really really tough but she didn't come off as like that fiery Latina or the angry black. Mm -hmm. She very much came off very, a whole person. Like you saw so much of her tenderness Mm -hmm. and her loyalty to her sister. And she didn't, she wasn't just a stereotype um, that you see, especially women and especially women of color Mm -hmm. on television. And that's what I really loved about her. And that's why I was, I was devastated when she, she died, even though that was probably one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. No, but 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 it really it, it means a lot to me personally as somebody who is um you know ethnically similar to both of these characters mm-hmm. to see them portrayed in a very non-stereotypical way where you know mm-hmm. Karen isn't the sassy black friend and she's not, you know, she's not a lot of things that a lot of other black characters are in white-centered shows. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for like that hard exterior. Yeah, exactly. And the same thing goes with with Delilah. So, it, if there's anything that um, about the show that I really appreciate as a person that that makes me want to, you know, clap for them, is that <laughs> maybe not everything else, but that definitely. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's and that was one thing I was going to bring up, and we'll, we'll go back to the love interests and 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 to you, Sarah, to get your take on those, and then I'll I'll chime I, in I'm as well. But um, Carla said so. I think yeah, she's, but she got it there. 
<laughs> I just talk a lot. I'm sorry. No, you don't have to apologize at all. No, what, what I what I want to say, sort of playing off of that, is what I found very interesting about this show overall, and not just with um, the love interest part, but with any person of color in this show. At least what I've seen, except for um, the Ellie, the um, young girl, um, who at first is questioning of um, Joe, but then kind of changes her mind. But what you notice a lot with people of color in this show is they are the ones that really seem to see Joe for who he is. Yes. Even if they're not the mm-hmm. love interest, yeah. they see Joe for who he is. Even when they sleep with him, they still see who he is. Even if it's after they sleep with him, they kind of always have this question in their head. And I just think that's so fascinating. Um, Yeah. One of the things. It's really realistic because I feel like people of color, especially in this country, really have to do this. When you look at a white, like, well, when you look at, I don't know personally, but I feel like that's something that people of color really have to do. They have to be really attuned to. To to the moods of women. Society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's very true because when, you know, as a woman of color, as Mindy Lahiri would say, when I encounter a white person, I have to kind of take stock of what I'm looking at versus what they're presenting. And you, you're kind of walking on eggshells a little bit until you, you kind of, you know, feel uh, comfortable enough to just be because you don't know what it is that they're, you know, like what they're you, you kind of make yourself vulnerable to them right? in a way that may not be good for you in the long run, um, depending on who they really end up to be outside of their, outside of the projection. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a sad thing, but it also ends up being a useful thing because it has kept me away from a lot of people who ended up being harmful mm-hmm. that I saw, you know, Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, great. My spidey sense was completely right. Thank you for validating that. I'm sorry for the other people who had, who got hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think, that's what I think is so fascinating about this show is that you wouldn't, I mean, even, um, you know, back in season one, it was, it was like that. It's just, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I mean, and it wasn't just people of color that saw Joe for who he was, but that was the, but that seems to be a primary theme that runs through it. And I think that's just so interesting because at least personally, not that I can think of. And I know um, in, in real life, it's not this way, but I can't think of other shows that really do that and right. are, and yeah. don't, and, you know, don't stereotype the person while they're doing that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, that's what I've always appreciated about the show and loved. And, and I too hated when Delilah was, was murdered. Um, I think the episode was good, um, but I really, really didn't want her to die. She no, was, I know. Yeah. She was my favorite character of the season and just, oh, that was just so heartbreaking to, to watch her just. Um... Well, and it was such a really interesting kind of way to see Joe's weird moral compass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and, how, and I thought it was so interesting that he's, it's, for him, it's totally cool to go off and kill all these people um, for his love interest. And, but because he deemed Delilah worthy mm-hmm. of living. Yeah. yeah. The fact mm-hmm. that love killed him turned him off of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because because she, her moral compass or values didn't align with his, even though she was doing the exactly. exact same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> she was him. Like literally yeah. the exact same thing. Yep. yep. <laughs> 
so I thought I thought that was interesting. It didn't make me like any less horrified and gross by and upset by the fact that Delilah died, but it was a really it was a really interesting kind of unfortunate yeah. effect of that is seeing Joe's little moral compass and how that kind of portrays mm-hmm. with Lady Joe. I'm gonna call love from now on Lady, Lady Joe. Joe. She is. I just hate the name Love so much. <laughs> well, forty. What do you I mean? Yeah. Well, there's a play there. I, a I, play there. Forty Love. It's got. It's very much a play on words. Oh, well, that's oh. what that was. Yeah. Oh. oh. That makes it so much worse. Though. That makes it so much worse. Yeah. I don't know. But- yeah, it is kind of, oh. it's kind of bad. But Sarah, did you have anything you wanted to add about the love interests at all or anything else? No, no. <laughs> We're so stuck on 40 love. Sorry. No. Oh <laughs> now I'm definitely calling her Lady Joe because that made that that just made it all worse. Yep. Tennis. Of course it's tennis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I'll just throw a little bit a little things out there. I I honestly, as far as with love and Beck, um, love I like the least. I, I don't like the character love. <laughs> um, we were actually discussing um, before we started recording that I, my sister and I, we were watch we watched the second season together, and uh, we both kept saying she killed her husband, she killed somebody, she's evil she's just like him she's even more messed up than him maybe um and i thought that from the very beginning there was something mm-hmm. that seemed too put together about her kind of like how mm-hmm. joe can appear to people to be too put together she appeared the same way to me okay. um and what was interesting about her and watching the second season and i was trying to remember if it kind of was the same way in the first season and, and i should have rewatched it before we did this but um is that it seemed a lot of times, you know, most of the show is from Joe's point of view. Mm-hmm. In this season, there were a few times when things appeared to be from Love's point of view. I which was that as well. Yeah, which is very yeah. interesting because it, it, which is to me, uh, foreshadowing the fact that Love is Lady Joe. Um, I'm going to use that too well, because it fits her perfectly. And so that was, that was, that was my big, I just didn't like her. I didn't really like the character very much. And I had issues with Beck too, but I, but I felt for Beck and I kept wanting to scream to her, don't go with this guy. You're an idiot. Right. Well, season, season one had a bit from Beck's point of view after okay. they had sex the first okay, time and he was remember. eight seconds. Okay. Oh, that's right. And oh, that's when we show kind of uh, the light stalking I was talking about that people just in general do now and a lot of that i think is for safety for women like Mm -hmm. check out a guy's profile and things like that yeah but but yeah she is nothing like lady joe my favorite love interest is james uh love lady joe's poor dead deaf husband i was just really excited to see to see a deaf character yeah yeah Um, yeah Yeah, and and i'm glad that she didn't i was really happy i was gonna say i'm glad he didn't get murdered yeah, because I really did think that's what she happened. <laughs> that's what I fully expected. And let, let me just say, though, that I think it's amazing that... Okay, no, not amazing. Usually I, I can pick up on, on stuff that's a big twist. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of really annoyed at myself at how completely I missed the boat <laughs> on season two. 
but please it's, go it's on. I just wanted to, to tell you guys how, how, how sad I am. Okay, thank you for, for also being in, in the why the hell didn't I catch that boat? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of figured there was something off about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that yeah. one, that took me by surprise. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, me too. I think I remember, uh, like, with me live texting Carla <laughs> while I was watching it. And I was like, oh, man, love's going to get killed because she's stupid. And then she takes the bottle and stabs Candace. I'm like, oh, my oh. God. <laughs> yeah, I well, I was... See, that's, I kind of wish I had been surprised by it, honestly, because I know when, uh, when my sister and I were watching it and when Delilah was, was murdered and Joy was trying to figure out if he did it or if didn't do it. Emma and I kept saying, love did it. She did it. Love did it. We just knew that she did it. We thought if she didn't do it, 40 did it. But then we kept thinking 40 probably didn't do it. Love did it. And I, so I wasn't surprised when she killed Candace. When she killed Candace, we both said at the same time, I knew it. So it was just kind of one of those, <laughs> one of those things where yeah. I kind of wish I had been a little bit more surprised because I had been, mm-hmm. we had been thinking it from the very beginning. Like we were watching, I think it was like episode three or something. And I, we paused it and I, you know, I kind of said, well, I have this idea in my head of the twist of this season. Cause I've heard there's kind of, and I had heard there was a twist. So that might've also put it planted uh, in my yeah, brain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I didn't hear anything yeah, about so, that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I kind of said, I have an idea. And I said it, and she said, that's exactly what I think too. So it's, so that's, what's interesting is I kind of wish I had watched it more the way you guys watched it. To be honest, I still like the second season. I'm more of a fan of the first season than the second, mm-hmm. but, um, but I kind of wish I had, I had been a little bit, more surprised by that but uh but but yeah so yeah um that episode uh fear and loathing in beverly hills that's that's probably my favorite episode though i it's very memento like i don't oh, know yeah, if you guys yeah, saw that is. movie oh, yeah. of trying to piece everything together and highest shit on ass that's that was my jam you're <laughs> absolutely right however when i saw it oh, i was thinking sure. of, of, the of the hangover of the hangover oh, oh yeah yes. <laughs> that was more what i was thinking i mean i probably that's, would sound a lot more smart is. like you meg when you say memento but i was like this is just like the hangover man <laughs> there's there's our difference in taste in, in movies <laughs> Why you should take my rege- my recommendations eh, on TV. I'll get around to it. <laughs> well, I, The Hangover's a good movie. I like The Hangover. <laughs> oh, I hated that movie so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one, I think. What was that? Same. What was so, that? Oh, I said I kept waiting for it to be funny. I did not enjoy The Hangover at all. Well, the, the sequels are awful, yeah. but I loved the first one. And yeah. and Bridesmaids was the same oh, one really? that I, I feel like I was the oh only person gosh. who didn't like Bridesmaids. I know. Oh, I guess we're breaking yeah. up. <laughs> I love that. There's movie. too much tying us together. Yes, yeah, like true. our other spouses. Oh, God, I love them. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, <laughs> lots of tangents in this episode, oh, which is fine. Um, I want to talk about uh, Joe and kids, though, because I want to talk about why that's brought up. Because in the first season the kid is Paco and in the second season the kid is Ellie um and so I just want to talk about that a little bit because as I said that was something I guess that isn't in the books I haven't read the book so I can't confirm that but that's what I've read and heard is that in the books Joe doesn't have any kind of relationship with kids um and the reason I think that was put in here is um it's kind of reminds me in a way of a show that I've been trying to get Carla to watch Dexter (laughs) and this 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 really isn't a spoiler because you learn in the first episode 
very, he's, he's dating a woman who has kids, a single mom. And Dexter loves children. And I don't mean in a creepy, weird way. He actually really, <laughs> he actually really likes children and children, amazingly <laughs> enough, really like him. Um, and it's the one thing that kind of really humanizes him mm. uh, because he's a serial killer as, and that's not a spoiler either. He's a serial killer. So the thing that really humanizes him other than the fact that he kills bad guys is the fact that he loves kids. Um, and, and he never okay. wants to hurt children. And so I think that's why they did it with Joe as well, is they mm-hmm. had this. <laughs> no, I, I, have to jump in. I have to jump in with that just really, really quick, because um, when I was doing this, when I saw the Joe and kids thing on the line, I was like, um, I've been watching The Office a lot because, oh, of course. <laughs> and I was like, that's like Michael Scott. And, but Dexter fits so much better. Than Michael Scott yeah. from the office. Because <laughs> Michael is Michael's not a murderer. No. He's just an idiot. <laughs> um, but and so I don't know if anyone knows, like there's a, a new podcast coming out uh that came out with yeah. Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. And one of the things they kind of talked about um was how you have to you had to give Michael Scott some redeeming qualities because otherwise he is just an insufferable human. And one of the redeeming qualities is how wonderful he is with children. Mm. And so I, I remember I wrote on like my notes and I was like, Michael with kids is like <laughs> Joe with kids. Yeah, minus the murder. Yeah. De- unless it's unless it's prison yeah. Mike. Prison. Um, <laughs> And I just want to throw out there that Dexter is a much, much better <laughs> comparison than Michael Scott. <laughs> he is not the Scranton Strangler, guys. Yeah. That's that would be the dark version of the office. <laughs> um, but does anyone else want to throw anything out there with Joe? Yes. I mean, since Meg completely bypassed me in the alphabet here. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I was so excited, and I know I told told you about that, Carla. Yes, I I just... <laughs> That's funny. But okay, so the the kids. I thought it was interesting that both of the kids were Latinx because I mm-hmm. um I was like, oh, is that a thing? But okay, I didn't want to look too much into it because I'm like, okay. But anyway, um, first of all, the kids themselves were such great characters, mm-hmm. and yes. I think that that just as a viewer. Um, it made the show a lot easier to watch outside of the fact that it humanizes Joe. It just made it easier to watch because you have uh, these moments of these very bright children mm-hmm. um, coming on the screen and lightening the, the scene, mm-hmm. um, even though they both had very grown up issues to deal with um, in Lucas case that his mother was being beaten and she was also um, an addict. And in, um, that was Paco. Did I say Luca because it's the actor? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then in Ellie's case that, you know, she is just living with her sister because her parents are not in the picture. She's 15 and trying to make a career happen for herself, which is amazing. Cause at 15, I didn't care about anything other than, you know, where's my candy and where's my favorite show. Mm-hmm. But, um, but Joe's oh, okay. You don't care about anything else still. <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, now I have a son and I care about him, but you know, okay. <laughs> but, um, sure. But <laughs> as far as, as Joe's relationship to them, you know, in, in a way it can feel kind of gimmicky 
because so many shows use kids to humanize a character mm-hmm. who is either um, a villain or a heavy. Mm-hmm. If you have a protagonist who is very um, domineering and um, has a very dark side, they often throw kids into the mix to show you that, well, yeah, but he also is a human, you know? Yeah. Um, from everything, yeah. from from the professional to, like, like Meg said, um, The Office, to so many sitcoms <laughs> where, you know, which is like, not quite a murderer. I know. But, <laughs> no, that's involved, really. But um, but there's just I so many. I really never watched that. <laughs> but, but there really are so many times when a character is uh, made more relatable by bringing kids into the mix mm-hmm. and it becomes trite. Mm-hmm. And it also really freaks me out because it it just like if something happens to that kid, I'm just gonna go bonkers and you know throw something at my at my TV screen because I just can't handle it. Yeah, and I always were, and I was worried the first season. I was like, oh my god, please don't oh, happen to this kid. Yes, and when nothing did, mm-hmm. I didn't worry as much in the second season. To be honest, right? Because I, <laughs> I was like, okay, Joe has a code. Uh, where he won't hurt the kids. And and I think a lot of that is because they kind of go into a little bit in the second season, his childhood um, yeah. and his really messed up relationship with his mom. And so they kind of go into that a little bit. And I think that's part of the reason why. Um, and I know, and I think that in Dexter, um, which I'm not going to say a lot because it'll totally spoil something. And I know eventually Carla will watch it and everybody else on here, if you haven't seen it. I will. I swear it. I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> I promise I will too. <laughs> I saw the first episode. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really into the office these days, guys. <laughs> well, you know, Michael Scott and Dexter Morgan, they're so similar that, you know, it's just, <laughs> basically, the, basically the same here. Yeah. But but I think with, with Dexter for that one, um, and I won't go into it too much because of spoilers, because you guys all should watch it. At least watch through season four. It's okay if you don't watch past that, but at least watch through season four, because season four is probably <laughs> the best season of any TV show ever. I'm just going to say that. Anyway, um, but with his whole thing with kids um, also relates to his childhood, I think. Um, so, And I think it's just an interesting thing, because Dexter says in one episode, he said, you know, I when he's killing someone this is not really a spoiler but says i believe me i understand more than you think but i would never do that to a kid so it's like he's got a code as well so i think when you give a code to somebody who is evil and who is a bad guy and who is a serial killer like joe it's a way to make him not um not like a a killer from like a horror movies per se Mm -hmm. he's Mm-hmm. It gives him some human, a humanity and a human quality. And yes, it is. It can be kind of um, cliche to do it, but I, but I think it works in this show. I'm glad they added that in, frankly, because um, even though, because it kind of makes you conflicted at the same time. I think, um, yeah. Because even though I don't like Joe, I'm not rooting for Joe or anything. Um, it still makes you conflicted because you're like. Yes, I'm glad he's sticking up for this kid. Oh, wait, he's an awful, horrible character. But yes, I'm glad he's doing something for this kid. And he's he's watching out for Ellie. And he's making sure she doesn't become a victim of that scumbag. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, he was still really creepy with Ellie. He was. Well, yeah. He had a panic yeah. tracker on the phone. Like, yikes. Yeah. But I, I will say, you know, season <laughs> one, I was like, oh, my God. He murdered this person. Oh, no. He murdered this person. Can he maybe use some of that? energy on wrong exactly. but he's murdering people it's horrible 
Exactly. So yeah, my moral compass kind of shuts down a little bit <laughs> for for a Ron, buckle's behalf for a bit. Uh, for a moment. Mm-hmm. Ron had too normal of a name. <laughs> and there's and I will say I'm sorry to bring it back to Dexter, but I will say when you said that with Ron, there's a character in the first season of Dexter um, played by um, played by Mark Pellegrino, um, uh, who through the whole thing you're like, please, please pull a Dexter on this guy. <laughs> for the same kind of kind of reason but yeah yeah that's what's so interesting about having the kids in there and that's that's why i think part of the reason they added did um sarah did you have anything you wanted to add into that um actually well i was going to bring up um what you had said in season two when we start finding out more of his childhood and his background um for me it sort of explained why he is the way he is with with kids um, and I think he's what he's trying to do is, you know, he 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 sees these children and he can kind of relate to them because of what he had been through in the past. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to prevent them that from happening to the to the children, at least the ones you know, b- between Paco uh, episode or episode season one um, and then Ellie season two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think. And like everyone had said, you know, it, it did provide a way for people to have, a, I guess, more of a connect, not necessarily a connection with him. I, you know, in, in a way, and, and like you had said, it's like he's this just terrible, horrible, completely awful person. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, okay, he's doing, you know, look, look at the good he's doing uh, with Paco and trying to help his mom and you know, providing the books for Paco to read and, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, it was one of the, it was one of those that I found uh, very interesting. Why, why they did that, why they inserted those younger characters and, and the relationship that he has with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um and we've we've already talked about a lot of the supporting characters, um, so I kind of want to, since we're getting close to running out of time, I want to make sure that we talk about the ending of season two, um, and not just what happened, not just love, um, and and we didn't really even touch on forty, which I think would be an interesting character to kind of touch on a little bit here. Oh my gosh, forty! Um, so before we actually before we get, before we get to the end of ending of season two, I want to touch on forty because. Um, 40 is kind of the first male character, I think, in this show that represented almost a, uh, almost a friend for, um, for Joe. Mm -hmm. And you didn't really Mm -hmm. see that too much before. I mean, you kind of did with, I mean, Paco is a kid, so I'm not going to count that. Um, and not really with his coworker in season one in the bookstore, they weren't really friend friends. Um, but you kind of saw that with 40 really latched on to Joe. Um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And, and then off, also 40 and his very unhealthy relationship with his sister. I'm sorry. I think that really yeah. was very, yeah, unhealthy. That was very, very, icky. Yeah. it has a very icky vibe to it to me. Um, the yeah, there's still ickiness. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, for me, but, but that was uh, his whole argument. Yeah. Yeah. But it is no, it, anyway, uh, does anyone have yeah, any, sorry. any thoughts on 40 that they want to add? Yeah. With, I, with 40. I, I thought it was interesting that that he and um, Joe were both very lonely people. I mean, they're always 
Forty in particular is always surrounded surrounded by people, but he still has he's at the, at his core very lonely. Oh yeah, because he has all of these wild ideas and dreams, and nobody really believes in him. Um, so he has money, he has connections, he he's uh, socially very um, well known, but he's a lonely guy. And then you have Joe, who because he murdered everybody in season one, is also lonely <laughs> in a new city. And so these two people kind of end up becoming unlikely besties, even though, you know, Joe, for him, it, it's a little bit of a show. He's just doing it for love. But at the same time, there is an affection. I think he has for 40 um, where he uh, doesn't necessarily want to harm him. Um, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, when you say about a friend, Oh, I could, I could just kill you right now. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. He, he might mean it. He might not on a particular day. Um, but he generally won't kill 40. Yeah. I I think 40 honestly is the saddest yeah. um, yeah. storyline and character in both seasons. Because if you look at it, so yes, he was he is born into so much wealth and privilege, but his parents clearly want nothing to do with mm-hmm. him yeah. at all. He spent most of his life believing that he blacked out and killed the woman that he loved. And the one person that he's always kind of leaned on and counted on as unhealthy as it is, was the one who actually did it and then allowed him to believe that for so long. And then of course he gets into his addiction issues, which is a whole other level of heartbreaking. Um, And that leads to so much of his loneliness and his isolation. And honestly, like, when I first started watching, like the first glimpse of 40 is like, oh my God, what a douche. Right. Mm-hmm. right. But then the more we move on and we learn about him and we peel back the layers and see what his life has been like, he, I feel like he was the, probably the biggest tragedy in this entire series, more than any of the, any of the people that Joe killed. Um, and then he finally, Bless him. He finally gets this beautiful screenplay, this beautiful story. He figures out who Joe is and like solves all of this only to die. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and die right after learning that his sister does not care. Like, she cares that he died, mm-hmm. but does not care about all that he's gone through to figure out who Joe is. Yeah. And that doesn't matter. And that, like, he, that whole story just broke my heart so much in retrospect. Like, watching it at first with, with 40, I was like, God, what a, what a D-bag. But it just, it's so sad for me. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that, Megan. Or Meg, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I go by, I go by those. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, 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 I completely agree. His, uh, his story was, it was sad. I mean, just, just mm-hmm. sad. My heart really broke for him mm-hmm. um, because he just, he wanted nothing more than to succeed and, and to be a and family. To, yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, yeah, it was, it was just awful. It was awful. Yeah. And he was, he was a victim 
you know, as, mm-hmm. as a child, he was a victim of, yeah. of oh, yeah. sexual abuse, really. I mean, his first love was ba- was sexually abusing him. I mean, that wasn't right what happened right. to him. No. Yeah. And of course. And, right. And, exactly. Well, when I say that with his first oh, love no, being I killed, I mean, yeah. he was what you're saying. He was so young at the time, mm-hmm. but it was still that was also really. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and him having to live with that with the guilt that he was carrying around thinking that he killed her when he didn't and having to deal with that. And that really messing, I think both the abuse and the Mm -hmm. fact that he felt he killed her had haunted him his whole life. And the fact that his parents didn't seem to give a, and didn't give a crap about him just kind of covered everything up, but they didn't really show him true love. Um, But how different would his life have been if it had been found out then that love had actually killed her or that she actually like, I feel like his parents didn't want anything to do with him because they thought he yeah. killed her and they covered it up. He probably wouldn't be an addict so really if he right. wasn't spending time self-medicating for all that guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, his was really the first life love ruined. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He was very. Yeah. I I really felt for him, and I like you, Meg. I thought he was just the typical Hollywood douchebag when he first was introduced. Mm-hmm. But then you get to know him, and especially what was interesting is watching his relationship with Joe before he figured out who Joe was. Was it was this very much like, oh, cool, I get to have a brother, I get to have a big brother, yeah, I get to have this other kind of you know grow oh. my family because Joe will really care about me and love me, and Joe will help this dream come true of writing this mm-hmm. script with me, which was so much. I don't think it was so much about writing the script and becoming successful as it was uh creating this bond and this relationship with this yeah, guy yeah. yeah and having this true friendship because all these other people in hollywood were clearly using him or didn't care about him or treating him like yeah. crap and then he had joe and he really i think genuinely felt like joe wanted to be his friend and help him even though joe you know, was very mixed about him, but I think, I think that's that. And that's what makes it so tragic also is finding out that Joe is not who he thought he was. Um, yes. makes that heartbreaking. Cause it's yeah. like every single person in his life has let him down every single person yeah. that he loves and cares about. So mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's, it is very tragic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, yeah. Well, I'm glad we got to touch on him because I was like, we have to touch on him because he's, a, I think he's a very important character um, for season two. I think he's just as important <laughs> as love is to the show and as Delilah yeah. as well. I think those are, and Ellie, I think those are the really core part of that. So let's get mm-hmm. into the ending a little bit here, because as we said, um, love does end up killing Candace and love killed Delilah. Um and what we find out also is that love is pregnant with Joe's child, mm-hmm. um, oh, which so I, creepy. yeah, it's gonna be a happy home. Oh yeah, which I, <laughs> which I think is part of the reason, the big reason that Joe doesn't kill love, because I think that um, the second love killed Delilah. I know you mentioned a little, it was you, Meg, right, that talked about a little bit of that, the the dilemma, yeah. the moral dilemma there. I think the second that love does that, I think Joe falls out of love with love. <laughs> keep saying love 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 but um yeah. I, think, I think that's yeah. I think, no, lady joe yeah lady, lady, joe. <laughs> lady joe um the second that happens i think joe <laughs> falls out of love with her and the only reason i think he stays with her is because of that child because it goes back to his thing with kids and he's not yeah. going to kill a kid um well, he did he talks really about how worried he is about his child yeah. like not even just killing her but leaving her how worried he is about his child growing up with a mother like that, which is such cognitive dissonance. I know. Yeah. Like, we're the same. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> grow up how are you and your killers? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, better to grow up with two serial killers <laughs> than just one. Yeah. And all I can say about season three is I feel really, really terrible for their neighbor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That woman is dead no matter what. <laughs> yes. Well, even if Joe doesn't kill her, love is going to Lady Joe will. Lady Joe. Sorry, Lady Joe. <laughs> yeah. 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 She yeah. is going to die. We talked about Joe becoming a parent. And love, um, you know, killing a bunch of people or two people, but still killing a bunch of people. Um, and three what's, people. Well, yeah, three people. Yeah. What's so interesting about... Um, so more of a few than a three and yeah. a bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still, still. They're not bananas. Uh, yeah. Yeah, still. She's, I mean, she is the female version of Joe. She's the lady Joe, as you have as we as you've aptly named her Meg and that really fits her and what's so fascinating is watching Joe react to that because yeah. basically he's being confronted with himself in the female version basically what he, love is is everything that Joe says he wants in a relationship is a partner to be as devoted to him as he is devoted to them and then he gets that and he's like oh you're sick and deranged even though she's exactly, exactly. like him yeah and and i think a lot of people which is uh, what watching it. wished upon him. Yeah, that's oh, that's very true. Yeah, that's very true. So, huh. yeah, that's and I think um, what this kind of plays into is also that stalking for love trope, and how in the beginning when I talked about how the way women are portro- portrayed in that trope, um, how they are seen as you know a little bit more kooky or a little bit crazier, a little bit more off than the men are when they're in that trope. Um, and while mm-hmm. I don't think you nece- you necessarily does that, I think the way Joe reacts to it is the way that we react to it when we see it mm-hmm. on a show, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I thought was interesting, and it's not even so much, ha- it doesn't really have anything to do with Lady Joe, was when, so Joe is locked in the box by Candace. Mm-hmm. And he comes to the ter- come to terms with the fact that he killed Delilah. Mm-hmm. And when he tosses the key to get out and accepts that this is the one, it was so interesting to me. Like this was the one thing that in his own mind, in his own morality, he could not get away from and he could not accept about himself. And it, like I said, it doesn't have anything to do with that, but it takes place at the ending. And I thought that was such an interesting move for the character. Because and for us to see, because all this time before Delilah dies, all this time Joe is very sure that what he is doing is for the right reasons mm-hmm. and the right things. And even if we as viewers know that they're not, his mentality and his truth is that he's doing these things for the right reasons. And for him to take a quote unquote innocent was just complete in his mind obviously mm-hmm. um was so devastating to the point that he was like that's it i deserve to go to jail mm-hmm. and to have love come and not only find out that she killed him or killed delilah mm-hmm. but that she took that away from him mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. took that moment away from him i thought was so interesting yeah. As yeah. as a way to to launch another season. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's yep. what and that's why I didn't have a problem with the ending because I know there are some people that kind of didn't like it, I think. But I didn't have a problem with it because I thought it was just such an interesting little twist there. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's I it had adds no a, with the ending. 
it has it adds a whole new level there um, because you know he has his own stalker. He has his own version of himself, and then he's also going to be raising this child. These two horrible people are going to be raising this poor child. This well, poor child. And, and I'm not I'm not like I I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with the, like the social media aspect of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am not. So I would be curious to know what viewers' reaction was to love or Lady Joe as a character when they had this revelation as opposed to how they feel about Joe. Because we talked earlier about how so many women are like thirsting for this guy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like women just don't get the same, and for lack of a better term, benefit of the doubt. Exactly. Yeah. So to have this exact same character, the exact Mm -hmm. same mentality and and morality and their own perception, I would be really, really curious to see how audiences reacted to her versus how they reacted to Mm -hmm. Joe. Because I feel like it's so much more negative and not just because it's like, oh, yeah, this is a bad ship or anything. But I feel like her killing people is a lot less forgivable to an audience than, mm-hmm. than Joe killing people. Cause she's set up to be the bad guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I, and I'm trying to recall, cause I think I've actually seen both sides. I've seen people really like her character and actually mm-hmm. find it kind of like, Oh, Joe's actually found his soulmate. Um, <laughs> You know. <laughs> Such a happy family yeah. of murderers. Yeah, that kind of thing. But but I think but there has also been a lot of negativity towards her. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it was and there I think there was negativity towards her before people knew who she was. Mm-hmm. The same as Beck. The same thing with Beck. I mean that, that happened a lot with Beck as well. So yeah, that's, that's it's just a disturbing thing mm-hmm. where people are, are just so into a character who is objectively despicable that completely innocent people who happen to be his love interest get treated like this. And I think that this is, this mirrors real life. Like you were um, saying a few weeks back with uh, Taryn Edgerton um, who had a girlfriend mm-hmm. that people were just completely piling on online mm-hmm. simply for existing. And I think that, that that's just what happens. If somebody decides that, that, this one particular person is their everything and then they end up um, dating or marrying or whatever. Um, well, the fans will just completely jump down this person's throat for any little thing whatsoever. Well, no and I know how that, valid or not. That's something that happens in a lot of shows. Like even early episodes of like Supernatural, they couldn't bring any female characters on the show because fans would freak out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it happens a lot, which is. <laughs> yeah, I think I, that's what this show examines so much is all of our tropes that we hang on to all of our, uh, the way we let men, especially mainly white men get away with whatever we want them to get away with and how we yeah. treat women and how women treat each other, how we treat each other as competition. A lot of times how we're cruel and mean and cut each other down mm-hmm. in service of the white male. And that's what I think is so brilliant about this show. That's why I love this show. Oh, so for much. sure. Yeah. It's because mm. it's basically yeah. just, you know, holding a mirror up to us and showing us what we do and having us really confront it when if we do the same thing while we're watching this show, when it's so clearly wrong, when it's so clearly spelled yeah. out that you're not supposed to like this guy. 
Um, but people still do. And then, of course, having the Lady Joe version on there really, <laughs> really calls it out. And that's what will be interesting um, to see in season three, to see how that is handled and how their relationship um, is handled. So let's um, segue into that sort of um, does anyone have any wishes for uh, season three, Carla? Yes, very much. And I told this to <laughs> Meg and it's so unrealistic. However, I'm still going forward with it. My dream, and just hear me out, okay. is that Buckle and Ellie join, join forces to free Dr. Nikki and they become secret spies. And then they catch <laughs> Joe. And then they put Joe and Evan in jail and then they raise the baby. That's a spinoff. <laughs> That's, kind That's of not awesome. a spinoff. Yeah, That's a spin-off. season three. The, the quirky adventures of Paco, Ellie, and Dr. Nikki. Uncle Jesse, <laughs> as, his friends, as his friends call him. Uncle Nikki. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that character, but yeah, yeah that would be very interesting. <laughs> but that's my secret wish for season three. Oh, and you know funny. what? I know it's not going to happen. I know it's completely unrealistic. I don't care. I'm going hard for that. <laughs> well, you've put it out into the universe, so who knows? Maybe it'll yes. happen. I mean, you know, I don't, exactly. I don't know what the third book is like, but they already, they they veer off a lot on what the books are, so they can veer yeah, off so, into that, <laughs> that area. Exactly. Um, Meg, do you have any wishes? <laughs> um, uh, do I have any wishes for season three? No, because here's the thing. I always <laughs> wish... I always wish that Joe gets his comeuppance. Yes. Right. And that's just not going to, like, as soon as I heard there's a season three, I was like, God damn it. (laughs) That means he gets away again. (laughs) So that, so I don't have any big wishes from that because all I can wish for is that murderers get caught and that's clearly not going to happen. So well, you never know. This could be the last season, so you never know. And it could it could go Carla's route. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that yes, would be fun. Let's just yes, that would be fun. Thank you so much. And um, Sarah, do you have any big wishes? Well, now I'm hoping for uh, Carla's theory here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Isn't it brilliant? <laughs> she told me, and I didn't want to take it away from her. <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I actually do kind of hope Doctor Nikki gets redeemed. Although yeah. he thinks he's kind of come to terms with his fate. Um, I'd like to see, uh, uh, you know, justice be brought to uh, to him in a good way. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, as for uh, Joe and love, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they kind of deserve each other. But it, that, yeah. <laughs> way, yeah. Like, seriously. Um, but I just feel horrible for that child. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, other than that, I really don't have any wishes for season three, except for Paco and Ellie super spies. <laughs> okay, okay, and then I know because <laughs> that um, sounds awesome. <laughs> and and I know Sarah, you have to you have to go really quickly. I want to be before you close out, though. I do want to tell you what that theory is that yes. people have going around. If that's okay, yes. Um, now I now I need to know. Okay. Um, and are, is everybody okay hearing this? Because I don't know if it'll yeah, happen. Yes. But there are. Absolutely. I'm very ready. There are people that are theorizing that the woman next door is actually his mother. <gasps> Joe's mother. So that's was, where I thought you were going with that. That's what I, I thought. Had, maybe I it was their daughter and it became time traveling. 
and there was an awesome Ew. wormhole. <laughs> that would be so bizarre. That would be Joe's comeuppance. <laughs> now, now we're getting into old boy ter- territory. Yeah, or, or even Donnie Darko territory there. Yeah. <laughs> but so I just wanted to throw that out there. So we'll kind of, we'll wrap up though, because, um, and I'll have Sarah close out first, but we'll, we'll wrap up then. Cause that's, I, I actually want that to happen. Cause I think that would be a very interesting storyline to follow how Joe yes. handles his mother. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when he's raising a kid. So I, and I also am all for Carla's uh, wish there. So we'll just, we'll just keep putting that energy out there. <laughs> Yes. yes. I, I, I think Penn Badgley would be all for that. I'm sure Penn Badgley wants him to wants Joe to pay. Because I want to just say again, I really the show has made me really love Penn Badgley just because of the way he reacts to this, this stuff. Poor is so man. Is, yeah. He is fighting so hard to not be considered like this super stalker because like I said, you guys never watch Gossip Girl, but a lot of people were like, Dan is really creepy. And so he went from one super creepy character to another, to another. Yeah. Like, please don't make me bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we'll end there. Um, As you can tell, we can talk a lot. lot, There's a lot more we could cover about you and we might after the third season, catch up on it again. Um, But we're going to go around and have everybody um, say where they can be found if they want to be found. And if you have anything to plug, go ahead and plug it. And we'll start with you, Sarah, since I know you have to get going. Um, I am Sarah Barnick. You can find me on Facebook at Sarah Barnick, B-A-R-N-A-I-K, or on Twitter and Instagram at NateCamMom. That's N-A-T-E-C-A-M-M-O-M. And nothing for me to plug today. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Okay, see you next week. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, and then Meg. I mean, Carla, sorry, uh, yeah. Carla. I meant to say Carla, but go ahead, Meg. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's okay. Carla can go first. I understand. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I was trying to reverse alphabet there. So go ahead, Carla. Carla. Um, I'm Carla Temis. I can be found anywhere that social media exists at Carla Temis and also uh, at my website, carlatemis.com. And once again, there will be a link to um, Carla's website. So. Uh, in the show notes, show notes, not notes, notes. <laughs> nice. Oh, they all work. Yeah. Okay. And and, and Meg. Uh, yeah, you can find me at all the things um, at Wisconsinac, which is W I S C O N S E N N A C H. And if you think that's a mouthful, blame Carla because <laughs> she gave me that name many many years ago. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it's her fault. And yeah, it's, far, it's a play on um, on the Outlander character. Sorry, go on ahead. Out, on Outlander, yeah, Sassanac. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm from Wisconsin, so. <laughs> and as far as things for to plug for me, my we have a fantastic time traveling kids podcast called The Adventures of Moose and Goose. That I am currently working on a season two for. There is a season one though, but it's a fun kind of time traveling it's uh five for five for carla's son it and really that's is the, that's <laughs> the only my husband has become the fourth member of their family <laughs> <laughs> um but it's a it's a fun educational sciencey adventure podcast 
Cool. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have to link that as well in the show notes. So great. Wonderful. And I'm Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April beauty, the E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. Follow us on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one um, on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, if you have any show notes, any feedback, any ideas, feel free to email us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us there. Every rating and reviewing of every five star just helps us get found. So please, please do that. Um, and next week, we're going to be talking about the TV show Lucifer. And, Yay! <laughs> and Sarah and Meg are returning for that one. So that should be a lot of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Thanks, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.